Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Find ourselves here right at the very end of the year. This is our last service uh, uh, before 2021 comes to a close, and it's easy to say, safe to say, that the last two years have uh, given us quite a few challenges, thrown some curveballs, made things um, interesting, different, um, plenty of challenges. There's been plenty of blessing as well, um, but there have been uh, challenges, struggles, um, just weirdness, right? Can I, say, can, I, can I say it that way? Just, just weirdness, things happening. And, and now um, here we're wrapping up a, a holiday season um, right here at the end of the year. And there's always a whole lot of busy that, that seems to kind of happen around this time of year as we, as we end up coming to a close. Like the last two months, really, you, as soon as November hits, then everybody's, if you're insane, you're already decorating for Christmas uh, before Thanksgiving. That's not something you do. We've got to take our holidays in order. Right? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Fantastic. We got to get Thanksgiving taken care of before we move on to Christmas. I, there's a scripture for that somewhere. I just, I, I didn't want to look it up. Um, but anyways, uh, rant over and now I forgot what I was like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We get busy, right? We get busy. So we're worried about the holidays, uh, whether you're hosting or preparing or bringing food or going somewhere, traveling, whatever the case is, you get through Thanksgiving and then it's like the mad dash to, to Christmas, whether that be uh, decorating, preparing um, 1,476 Christmas parties, which I'm pretty sure was the exact number that was on the calendar this year. Uh, <laughs> All the Christmas parties, all of the uh, fun, all of the entertainment, the shopping, um, again, traveling, visiting, gathering, all the different things that we do, and then it's the new year, and then you got to figure out your resolutions, right, uh, if you didn't already have those figured out, but it's just kind of a, a mad dash right there at the end of the year, and everything can just get crazy and hectic, and um, the hustle and bustle, I feel like that's a good holiday term, the hustle and a bustle. I never really use it until this moment. I don't know why I felt inspired to say it, but I hope it ministered to your soul. Uh, anyways, there's a whole lot of, of busyness that, that can seem to happen. And with that in mind, I just want to take a, a few moments tonight, and we'll focus on the beginning of verse 3 there, where it says, he restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. Amen. Amen. Now, it's widely believed that David penned this psalm uh, during the latter part of his kingship, and, and most scholars believe this based on uh, the more soothing, kind of calm and nostalgic type tone that he takes. Um, 
I don't actually even know how to study when he would have written it. I mean, I can figure out like roughly the time frames and all that stuff, but uh, there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me, so I'm going to take their word for it. Um, and they uh, widely believe that he wrote this towards the end of his reign. And if that's the case, if that's the case, I just got to thinking, how much more weight does that statement hold? You know, as a young shepherd boy tending to his sheep, there would still be some strength to those words, right? He restored my soul. Um, there's, there's things that we can gain from hearing somebody say those uplifting things. He restores my soul. But it means a lot more knowing that he's already faced a lion and, and faced a bear and that he's faced a giant and he's slain thousands in battle. He soothed the wrath of a king that he was anointed to replace. He ran for his life. He hid in caves. He survived attempts on his life. He led the nation of Israel. He fell into temptation. He committed many various sins and had a conversation with a prophet in which it was revealed that indeed he was the man. He watched as his son tried to usurp his authority to raise up a coup and steal his throne right out from under him. And this man says, he restoreth my soul. It carries a little bit more weight when you know what somebody's been through, when you know the testimony behind the praise. Seeing praise, hearing praise, hearing things like he restores my soul are very beneficial and helpful because, yeah, he does restore my soul. But when you know the story behind the praise, it makes it that much more powerful. That's one of the reasons why it's so beneficial for us as a body of Christ to be able to look across the sanctuary, to be able to look up at the altar, to look across the room and see our brothers and our sisters who we know, we've known the struggles. We've seen what God has done in their lives. We've seen what God has brought them through. We've seen the times that he's healed, the times that he's delivered. We've seen the, time, the, the growth, the strength, all of the many blessings that God has poured into their lives. And so we know what it means a little bit at least. We have a little bit more of the backstory and we know how much more it means to see them praise God, to see them worship God, to see hands in the air surrendered and just pouring out love on Jesus Christ because we know a little bit of the story. And so we, we have to acknowledge then that, that if David, a man at the end of his reign who's been through all of these things, can look back and say, he restoreth my soul, that's a lot more, there's a lot more credence to the statement, if I can say it that way. So with this in mind, I want to look just a little bit tonight at the restoration that God has to offer us. What does that mean, he restoreth my soul? Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 11, it says, And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit. And I will settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. And you shall know that I am the Lord. In the Bible, restoration is always in abundance. Restoration is always done in abundance. When something is restored, it's always better than it was to begin with. God's promise to us is a better way, a better life, a better future for ourselves and for our loved ones. You see, God will take that which is broken and put it together again. He puts it together and he makes it better than it was before. He gives us the image of the potter and the clay, right? And he's taken the marred, the broken vessels, and he's reshaped and reformed, and he's taken what was once cast aside and made it new, made it something that, that is serviceable and something that is better than it was before. He will take the shattered pieces of our life and he puts them back together again with his love and he makes them strong in places where they were once weak. Anybody have that testimony? You've become strong in a place that you were once weak because God can restore our souls. 
Amen. God's promise of restoration is always for abundance. We look at John chapter 10, 10, and a lot of people think that this immediately takes our mind just straight to our adversary, the devil, but we also see the promise of the Savior as well. It says, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, that they might have life and life more abundantly. Now, there's uh, uh, anybody ever heard the Christian comedian slash quartet member Mark Lowry? He sang with the Gaither vocal band, and he, he had this bit that he did on this. He's like, who wants life more abundantly? That's more bills, and that's more stress, and that's more trouble. and that's, I don't want it more abundant. Obviously, there's a little humor there, but when God does give us the restoration, he doesn't just put it back to right where we were, but he restores above and beyond and makes it better than it was before. Take, for instance, the pieces of our broken life. If he just says, oh, well, uh, clean a little dirt off of them and throw the pieces back over there, that didn't really help out a whole lot, did it? No, that's not really a restoration. Maybe that's a little bit of a cleanup, but there's no, there's no fixing. There's no restoring. And in the times, especially the, the day and age that we're living in, there's some times that we just need a restoration. We just need to be able to be in the presence of the Lord and, and be able to say, he restoreth my soul and say it with faith because we know that he can do it. We know that he will do it. We know that he has done it in the past. And so he's able to do it again. So I just want to take some time here at the end of the year and say, reflect that my God restores my soul and let you know that there's an encouragement, there's a strength, there's a peace in knowing that we serve a God that can restore our souls. So this verse John 10, he's showing us that even in the face of the enemy, right in the moment when we need it the most, not even a sentence later, right in the very same moment of your need, God is there and he's redeeming us and he offers us that abundant life, that restoration, that confidence and awareness in knowing who exactly is in your corner. Amen, we stare the thief in the face. We stare the enemy in the face. Or even if it's not that big of a deal right now, it's just life and it's just stress and it's just circumstances and it's just the hustle and bustle. We can stare it in the face and say that Jesus Christ gives us a life and life more abundantly that I don't have to be bogged down by the day-to-day, that I don't have to be uh, down and out about all the news and all the things that are going on around me and the things that I can't control, that I don't agree with, but there's nothing I can do about it. We don't have to live burdened by those things because he gives us life more abundantly. Amen? Praise God. So we read the story of Job, and you can marvel at God's abundance in restoration. You see a little bit about what God does. Here was a man who had lost everything. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that God looks at Job and says, have you considered my servant Job? Essentially saying, this is the role model of what I want people to serve me like. And he says, this is, this is a man in whom I'm well pleased. And he, he's proud of Job, and he shows him off almost like a trophy. So Job wasn't just living every, a, a wrong life, but we understand what happened, and we understand the circumstation. Uh, circumstation, that's a new word. I'm not entirely sure what it means, uh, but you'll figure it out. The circumstances and the situation... I was just trying to shortcut it and get us out sooner, right? So I'm going to start combining words the rest of the night. Circumstation. You understand the circumstation? Amen. But he, he, he wasn't just doing a whole lot of wrong things, but he found himself 
He found himself in a situation where he didn't have anywhere else to turn. He didn't have anywhere else to look but up, right? Because he's down as low as he can possibly be. And he needed to be able to say, I serve a God who restores my soul. And what did he do? He professed faith even in the moments of darkness. Even though he slay me, yet will I serve him, right? And he actually even rebukes his wife when she comes against him, rebukes his friends when they tell him he should curse God. And he just goes on with his faith, and then God rewards him with restoration. Even through all the things that happened to him, he didn't turn away from God. He maintained that faith, that belief, that trust. In Job 13, 15, he did say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. And the Lord not only restored Job's fortune, but he restored them in abundance we look at Job 42, 12, it said, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Blessed it more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 asses. He had a blessing, an abundant blessing that was shown forth. So even though people would look at Job's life before things turned down and say, he lived a blessed life, he was a blessed man, he had God's favor smiling upon him, When God restored him, he didn't just put him back there, which a lot of us could look at and envy, right? But that's not the way that my God works. He doesn't just restore you right back to there, but he restores with abundance. He gives life and life more abundant. He's able to help us not just get back to where we were pre-holiday or pre-pandemic or pre-2020, but he's able to give us more abundance Amen? And if you don't believe that, take a look at some of the numbers of people coming into the church, some of the numbers of people being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and the revival that's taking place in the church that's going back to pre-pandemic levels. Amen? God restores to more abundant ways. So if you need some restoration in your life, you don't have to come with a limited view of what God can do to just bring you back to point A or bring you back to right here or just get me back to where I was because he's able to do so much more and so much further and so much better than just that. But it's not just Job. It's not just Job in the Bible. We see this promise of abundance throughout the Bible. Zechariah 9, 12, I put it in the NIV. It says, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Amen? Now, I'm not just up here preaching that we're, you know, everybody's just going to be rich after the new year. 2022 strikes, you check your bank account, and we're all millionaires. I receive it if you want to do it, Lord. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's not the point of what I'm getting at. Well, a lot of times uh, we limit the blessings of God and we look at them just in dollars and cents. But the blessings of God are so much more and so much more abundant, if I can say it that way, than just the dollars and cents that are attached to them. Amen? There's a peace that passes understanding. There's a hope. There's a strength. There's a life that's more abundant than the life that the rest of the world lives. There's a confidence in knowing Jesus Christ. There's a truth that we know that there's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen? We know these things. We have this confidence. The protection from things that we don't even know we were saved from. Amen? The blessings of the Lord are so much more than just financial, but he's able to restore us to places, and when he does that, he does so with abundance. Zechariah said, he, uh, and said he'll restore to twice as much. Psalm chapter 71, verses 20 and 21 declares this. 
Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. You will restore. You'll bring me back to a place. You'll set me above. You'll take me further. You'll take me to another level. Are there going to be hardships? Will there be difficult times? Sure, because it's life. And the psalmist says that. He acknowledges that. Yes, there's been hard times. Yes, there's been low moments. But I know that my God restores me. This is the same guy that said earlier, he restoreth my soul. So he knows, and there's that that confidence and that trust being able to acknowledge that. So you might find ourselves in, in a place of attack right now. A lot of times, the holidays uh, can, can definitely bring a lot of joyous moments. They can bring a lot of um, excitement, a lot of emotions, but not every uh, emotion that's attached to a holiday is always positive. Sometimes that can be painful. Sometimes there can, we can dwell on, on the loss that we've experienced, the people who aren't there with us, or, or the situations that aren't what we wish they were, or uh, that we weren't able to spend a certain number of dollars on gifts, or that uh, just life kind of isn't for us what it is for everybody else. Everyone else is all excited about Merry Christmas, and here I am alone and, and, and downtrodden and all these things. Not every emotion attached to the holidays is positive. So it can easily be a time when we feel a place of attack. You might feel alone or lonely, and and you might feel lost or afraid, and you might feel like life might actually feel like it's in pieces or scattered about. Might not even look at these pieces. Uh, Sometimes, you ever been like in in that moment, just brokenness? You ever ever been there? And, And even though we know the scripture, and we know that he's the potter, and we know that he's able to put all things back together, But sometimes we look at the pieces and we go, huh, what can you even do with that? What can you even, how, I mean, I know you're the miracle worker, but this is going to be a big miracle if you're going to put me back together, right? And there's that confusion that surrounds it and almost borderline and maybe even full-on doubt that goes into it. But God, as we've said, can take those shattered pieces and mend that which is broken, which he does and makes into a vessel, and not just a vessel, but one that's strong enough to hold all of the blessings that he wishes to pour into our lives. What do the blessings look like, you ask? Well, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, it tells us to give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. So he's telling us that the blessings of the Lord are going to be more than we're just able to contain. That's the type of restoration that happens when we've got the right priorities, right? The right motives. This is there used to be a, a 90s offering jam that was like off of this song. You guys remember the song, Give and it will come back to you. Good measure. John's got it. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? Uh, if only I could play the keyboard, I'd walk over and do a little ditty for you, but I can't. So you just have to imagine it. Uh, but the Lord, when he does pour down those blessings, he does so abundantly. But what we have to realize and what we have to understand is if he's going to fill our cup to a point of running over, the cup has to be whole to begin with. So the restoration of God is when he puts us back together. And that would be enough. 
That would be enough if he just put my life back together. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I will fill the cup and I will let it run over. I will not only put your pieces of your life back together, but I'm able to bless. I'm able to strengthen. I'm able to overflow what you're able to contain. Proverbs 3.10 says it this way. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst with new wine. He's able to tell us that when I'm restoring you, what I'm offering you is not just what we think when we say restore, but it's so much the more than that. It goes another level. He's the God that always takes it to another level. He doesn't just restore us back to where we were, but he does that and then adds the blessings on top. Amen? That's the kind of God that we're serving. That's the kind of God that we're trusting. That's the kind of God that we look to and say, he restoreth my soul. But because we're opening our eyes to the backside of it, the backstory of it, and realizing it's more than just bringing us back together, but it's filling us with blessings to a point of overflowing. And I put this in my note. Literally, it says, as a side note. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. But we talk about, uh, you know, we need restoration because you're broken, the piece of your life shattered, all these different things. And we talk about God being able to restore that. But a lot of times I feel like we almost get a little over dramatic to where we take it so far to the extreme that, you know, if my life isn't in complete turmoil, do I not get restoration? Like, I'm not that broken, but we, we cheat God out of a lot of the, the, what we would consider mediocre blessings in our lives because, oh, well, I'm not in the place of despair. I'm not completely shattered. I'm not completely torn apart. Maybe I'm just a little stressed out. Maybe I'm just a little tired. Maybe I'm just a little exhausted. But you know what? We serve a God of the big miracles. We serve a God of the mediocre miracles. We serve a God of the tiny miracles. So when I say he can restore your life, he restores my soul, you don't have to be just in the absolute worst place in life to be able to take advantage of a God that restores. You can be exactly where you're at, wherever that is, and realize that when we say he restores my soul, he's talking about you. He's able to restore your soul, wherever it is. And as we know, that's not just where you are, but he's able to do that and then more. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful to know that God sees me where I'm at, and it doesn't have to be the end of my rope before I can cry out for help. I don't have to be at the end of my wits before he's able to say that he's restoring my soul. I don't have to be in the pits of darkness before I come to an altar and throw my hands in the air and lift my voice to Jesus Christ. Too many times we feel like it's just got to be completely out of control before we're willing to surrender. And maybe that's a mindset saying God doesn't care about me and my small problems. Or maybe that's a mindset saying that I've got it all figured out. It's really not that big of a deal. I can get through this one on my own. Whatever the case is, we're cheating God out of an opportunity to restore us. And he can do that no matter where we're at. Amen. God promises not only to restore what was lost, but to restore it abundantly. Joel chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, it says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You'll have plenty to eat. Until you're full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. That looks like a blessing. On the surface, that looks pretty good. I'll restore uh, the, the years that, that the locusts have, uh, have eaten. I restore um, what the locusts have taken. That sounds good. 
But when you actually realize and understand what's happening there, when the locusts come in and devour the field, they don't only consume that harvest, but they also consume the seed. So the next harvest is affected as well. So when God says, I restore the years that the locusts have stolen, he's saying that even though there's been tragedy, even though there's been a situation that was outside of your control, even though something's been taken from you, I have the power, the capability, the ability that you don't even have to have the the heritage seed, if you will. You don't have to have the seed in the storeroom to be able to receive the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ because he says, I'm able to restore what the locusts, the years that the locusts have stolen from you. So that restoration of the Lord is able to be a generational thing. We are able to sing that song, The Blessings, when it says, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations, your family, your children, and their children, and their children, right? That's the Lord that we serve. That's the blessings that he's got. That's the storehouses that he has filled up that he's just ready to pour out into our lives because when he restores, he doesn't just say, oh, well, I'll give you a crop this year so you don't go without He says, I restore the years that have been taken away. So you don't have to look at life down and dark and depressed about you're never going to make it anywhere or you're just the next in the long line of losers or you're the next in the long line of uh, of jailbirds or or addictors or anything like that. It doesn't have to be that we're bound up by, by these generational things. But no, we can speak with faith and with the word of the Lord and know that when we say that he restores, he's bringing that to pass. He's taking full control of your life, of your situation. And if we give it to him, he's willing to take care of your children and your grandchildren. And he's able to create in you a patriarch of generations to come. Whether your fam- your parents were in church, your grandparents were in church or not, whether you're the first one in your family to walk through the doors of an apostolic church and be exposed to the truth that Jesus Christ has, he says, I'm able to restore the years. There's a power in that restoration. There's a power in knowing and understanding that when we say he restoreth my soul, it's not just like I'm thirsty, so I'm going to take a little drink. Clever timing, right? It's not just like he's he's saying, you know, just quench your thirst for the moment. But no, when he's restoring you, he's, if we can use the water as an example, he's willing to fill us with uh, the rivers of living water that we may never thirst again, as he told us in the book of John. It's not just that he says, I'll give you to drink now, but he says, the water that I give, you will never thirst again. And he tells us that when he restores, he does so with abundance. Amen? Amen. He promised he wouldn't just restore the plants, but would restore the seed. Promises us that chance to break through the generational curses and have generations that follow restored in abundance. Amen. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And often, I feel like we miss the rest part of restoration. Not just as like a root word, but in practicality. You can't restore something if it's in use. Okay? So if you want to restore a classic car, you can't be driving it every day because there's work that has to go into it. You have to pull the motor out, get the pieces back. You have to pull the seats out. You have to buff down the paint. You have to change out all the different things. You're doing a full restoration. You can't be driving it every day or you're not actually restoring it. 
Now, I'm not saying there's not a moment that you can't just push it out the garage and will it to work, because maybe you can. And sometimes we do that with our lives. Not the classic cars, but with our lives, we're like, oh, I got just enough done that I can limp back to work. I can make it to work on Tuesday. <sighs> and we're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I got to put a little air in that tire. Sir, it's from 1942. That's not a good idea. Well, it'll get me there. Okay. It'll get you there, but we miss out on the rest part of restoration to where God wants to do a complete work in our lives, but we're too busy running and gunning. We're too busy doing all of the things. We're not willing to take the time to sit back, to throw our hands in the, in the air and just bask in the presence of the Lord, to be able to have a place of restoration. We just want to run and run and run and run and run and run and run uh, to a point that we don't have the opportunity to take advantage of what God has given to us. Restoration requires rest. Now, what that looks like is a little bit different for everybody. Please don't everyone misunderstand what I'm saying and everybody's gonna quit volunteering and quit your jobs and uh, stop showing up to church. Well, Brother TJ said we need to rest, so I'm gonna sleep tonight. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Please understand and, and gather what, what we're talking about tonight. The rest part of restoration what does that look like? How do we do that in practicality? Understand that the idea can just be time in the presence of the Lord. Your prayer, your devotion times, an altar, whatever it is, there needs to be an acceptance of the peace of God and a realization that standing in that peace, claiming that peace, that's when we've got the beginning of our restoration. Amen? So if we're constantly trying to push forward and move forward and wondering why we're exhausted and wondering why we can't seem to get ahead and wondering why we're not able to, to take the next step or move further with the Lord or go to the next level in Jesus Christ or take our relationship with God to another level or another step, it's because we haven't taken the moment to get restored so that we're able to progress. I'm not like a huge car guy. Cars are cool. Classic cars are really cool. The muscle cars, the whole generation, those are really cool things. You know, a lot of interesting stuff. Sometimes you go to the car place and just check them out and look at them, pop the hood, look at the engine. You're like, wow, it's big. Probably goes fast. I mean, I've got a little bit more understanding than that, but the capability, you know, if anybody ever see like the, the uh, shows where like they go into like these old barns and find these classic cars and they're like, oh, I just made $17 million because I found a rusted out Mustang from 1962. Maybe it wasn't that year, but whatever it is. So they, they find these cars, but there's the value there and it might not look like it has any value. And sometimes when we drag ourselves to work, to church, to wherever it is, it might not look like there's a lot of value there. But Jesus Christ is looking and saying, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. I can fix that to a point that it's shiny, that it's new, that it's able to perform, that it's able to draw attention. And what are we called to do but draw attention to Jesus Christ? You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. He wants us to be his beacon, his lighthouse, he, salt and light of the earth. He's calling us to be all these different things. And while we might look at our situation and look at our life and say, how can I possibly do that in my present state? Jesus isn't just looking at your present state, but he's looking at what he's able to do in your life. He's looking at the old bar, barn find and saying, look what I can do. Maybe for some of you it was a bar find, but he 
he's looking at your life and saying, I can find something bigger for that. There's more value to be had from that. There's more capability. There's something that I can do. So the wheels start turning about restoration. And he's not just wanting it to bring it to, to, to the, the condition, the showroom condition, but he's going to make it a little bit better. He's going to let the blessings overflow. He's going to make in you a testimony of his power, a testimony of what he's capable of, so that just like when David says, he restoreth my soul, and we understand the power that's wrapped up in that statement, when you raise your hands and say, he restores my soul, because the testimony that's attached to it, we understand the power that Jesus Christ has shown forth in your life. That's the kind of God that we're serving. That's the kind of restoration that I'm talking about. Not just because we're worn out from a holiday, season and we just need to but it's so much more than that amen Amen. let's all stand together it's the peace of God and the realization that standing in his peace and claiming his peace is the beginning of restoration that's where we can start to say and really mean he restoreth my soul Amen. So no matter where we're at right now, this time of year, the end of the year, the, the holidays, whatever you want to say, work, life, busyness, just things, no matter if, if it's just the exhaustion of that or if life has really been doing a number on you this year in the last couple years and, and throughout the pandemic and through all of these different things and uh, maybe you, you've had job issues or circumstances. I know I've had my fair share of those. There can be exhaustion there can be things that happen. There can be just stuff, just ways that we just need to be able to know that we're allowed to say, he restoreth my soul because he's done it for others and he's done it for us before and he's able to do it and not just back to what we're thinking of, but so much the more, amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this night. I thank you, Lord, for a chance to look into your word. I thank you, Lord, for a promise of restoration. I thank you, God, that you've seen us through every moment this year. I thank you that you've seen us through every moment these past couple years, God, and you've never taken your hand off of our life. You've never lost sight of me. You've never lost where I'm at, and you've never lost sight of the plans that you have for our lives. So, God, I thank you in advance tonight, Lord, for those that you've already restored, for those that you've already been pouring out your blessings upon. I'm thankful for that tonight. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for the promise that's wrapped up in knowing, Lord Jesus, that if you've done it before, you can do it again. That this doesn't have to be my definition. This doesn't have to be the end of my story or the end of my road. But God, you're able to put back together the pieces. You're able to make it something that can contain a blessing. And then by your goodness, by your grace, because you're the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, you just choose out of... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.